You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. And did you folks come here to hear us defend the classless worst fan base on the planet? If so, you're not going to get what you're looking for. We are not going to say that it is good to throw cans, but we are going to have a nuanced discussion of what happened on Saturday afternoon. I was there. It looked weird. I can share my thoughts, which I think are objective. Thomas has some objective thoughts, too. But we're definitely sick of hearing opposing fan bases on their high horse, uh, especially after a Cleveland Guardian climbed into the crowd to egg the fans on. Again, just to preview, we will get into it in depth. We are not pro-can guys, but we're going to have a chat about it. Also, Garrett Cole back to dominating. Don't let what happened over the weekend from the crowd distract from what happened on the field because the Yankees destroying a Cleveland Guardians team. Uh, they took two games easily. They had to claw and scratch at the last minute to take the third one, but they did sweep a team with a much better run differential and record and offensive performance prior to the weekend. The Yankees made them look like a much worse ball club than they've been so far. We are going to talk about all the good from the on-field stuff this weekend. DJ LeMay, he's got to play every day. Garrett Cole is back. Uh, Garrett Cole rubbed a black spot on his butt. That's obviously huge breaking news that we have to do a 35-minute breakdown of. Uh, but all things are good on the field for the Yankees heading into a Monday off day. So for the first time in a long time, we just have nothing. We There's nothing for us to get angry about. Oh, except for, right, the fact that uh, Baltimore and Boston and Toronto fans and Astros fans are calling Yankee fans classless because 20 people in the bleachers through garbage. Uh, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer and join us live on YouTube, 2 o'clock and Twitter, Eastern Time, on Mondays and Thursdays. Again, tentpole events. We're going to be on live broadcast. You're probably not expecting. Just look for the notifications. We're going to show up live 
around you know other important events that you'll never see it coming you'll be like there's no yep. way they're going to be live there's no yep. chance not today it's not two o'clock eastern on a monday no way and then there will be Boom. thomas carinante uh straight from the right field bleachers uh you have a can in your right hand um because as far as i you know i'm being told all Yankee fans are responsible for the trash throwers. Yes. Uh, but but let's speak about the series first. I'd rather talk about three big wins in a row. Uh, again, yeah. Friday, not that tough. Sunday, a laugher. Saturday, really had to pull that one out. But, you know, wins are hard to come by. And that's three in a row, and that's a sweep. Amazing stuff. Um, I had a good weekend. Paying attention, I, I was doing stuff. I tuned in here and there. I did not sit down and watch a full nine innings of any of the games. Um, I did watch uh, most of Saturdays, which was nice um, because uh, the the way that they clawed and and um, and and dug back was was really awesome. And that's you got a whole you got a whole um, kind of you got a wholesome Yankees experience this weekend. With we got the offensive. Um, barrage on Sunday you get the um resilient comeback on Saturday and you get just the classic wire to wire performance on Friday nice starting pitching performance great showing from the bullpen and the offense put up enough runs to get the job done struck early to kind of set the tone um and that's what we're looking for we're not looking for it every day but you play inferior opponents I know the Guardians started off the year pretty nicely um, but this team is not going to be the team that we saw the first two weeks of the season. Um, that play is going to normalize. Um, props to the Yankees for taking advantage of the play, running into the Guardians. They were playing hot baseball. They were very good coming into this one. Um, seven and five, Yankees sweep them. Now they're down to seven and eight. Yankees are 10 and six. Um, what are the pluses here? What did I learn? Um, Garrett Cole saved his ass. On uh, Sunday, by throwing yeah, wiped, six, it wiped his ass, wiped his ass. Yeah, also wiped his ass. Uh, six and two thirds shutty. Uh, that was what he was supposed to do against Detroit. Didn't happen. But you get a Sunday in the Bronx. Um, all you know, everything uh, goes well when you you have the. He had no pressure on him. They had two wins. They were not going for um, a series victory. A loss there. I think people kind of would have accepted. It would have been a little bit deflating. But once again, playing a very good offensive team in the early going. Uh, kind of changes the complexion of it um, in that capacity. Um, bullpen, great starting rotation, really awesome. When they give up a combined three earned runs over those three starts, Nestor Cortez, Jamison Tyone, and Cole. Um, and then the lineup, dude, people are delivering. Joey Gallo even got a couple of hits, which was nice to see from him. Um, DJ LeMay, Hughes stood out for me. Uh, he's got to be in the lineup every day. Um, Giancarlo Stanton continues to struggle. Um, everybody else is kind of masking that at the moment, which is nice. I don't want to have to zone in on people and criticize them. I really don't. It was frustrating on, um, uh, Saturday when Gallo missed that ball in left field. Don't really know how you do that as a left fielder, but it happened. Um, and I like, uh, Isaiah kiner Falefa picking up the slack at the bottom of the bottom of the lineup. I think that's really helping, um, fans avoid, uh, avoiding targeting certain players for their lack of production. Um, at any given point in a baseball season, very few people in the lineup wire to wire will be consistent and and extremely good. Aaron Judge was pretty much the only guy who did it last year. Um, 
you can't say John Carlos Santon did that last year. He did it for the last two months of the season, which he did it for two weeks in April and May combined as the two months kind of merged at the end there. And then he dominated for the final two months and into the postseason, which was amazing. But wire to wire, he was not good. He was OPSing um, in the seven eighties uh, come July. So it was very concerning. Um, you're not going to get that. And that's where the holes in the Yankees lineup over the last few years really showed themselves because when the best players weren't performing, nobody was picking them up and you can't have that imbalance because then nobody's playing well. And then you have what you have last year and it's not fun for anybody. Um, so I like what we're seeing in the early going with uh, the, the lineup kind of normalizing. We're figuring out what works best um, and the players who you're not expecting to fully deliver Aaron Hicks, Isaiah Connor Falefa are producing and it's relieving stress on everybody else. So very happy with the product. Uh, very happy I don't have to be angry outside of what, what happened on Saturday. Um, from a player personnel decision-making standpoint, that was as flawless as a three-game set as you're going to get. Um, and they really needed that after, the, the once again, another roller coaster event to start off the season. But, hey, 10-6 and six right now. This team was 5-10 and 10 last year in the same exact juncture. So we got to take the win there when we can. And also the Guardians are good. Like, They're good. you're right. They're going to regress. The offense isn't going to be this all year. But – there, there, it's a combination of both elite pitching for the most part because Matt Blake comes from the Guardians. Like the Guardians have the wake of Matt Blake still yes. there massaging their pitchers. So just because it's not big names that you're facing does not mean you're not facing quality starting pitching. The Yankees got a little bit of a break this series. Uh, no Shane Bieber. You know, Aaron Savali has been struggling, goes on Sunday. Uh, Cal Quantrill goes on Saturday, who's somebody who was not supposed to start in the series. The, the guy who came in to pick up the slack on Sunday who made his major league debut was supposed to start Saturday. And then the Guardians swapped it out and put a better pitcher in there. So the Yankees got a mini break, no Bieber, but every arm the Guardians throw in a game is, is strong. Eli Morgan, who started on Friday, buzzsawed the Yankees last year in one of those September games. Uh, I think it might've been the game where Cole was just dreadful. And so everybody was kind of like, Oh, I guess the hamstring is still a problem. Um, one of those Cleveland weekend, like Luis Heel got destroyed uh, they lost one of those games in a, in a runaway. The, the Guardians can hit, um, and no matter what you think about their regression, you know they, they also have guys who have always killed the Yankees in the past. So yeah. you can't tell me you didn't expect Jose Ramirez to not get a run in this series. You did not get a run. Yeah. Uh, you know he, he, he never found the short porch. Entered the series with twenty ribby, didn't do anything. Fran Mill Reyes basically could flick one out to the short porch in his sleep. He got one. You know, he, he got Jamison Tyone once, but, you know, minimized his production. Josh Naylor killed him all series long. Uh, he always does, and he always will. That guy's just good. Um, you know, every time Josh Naylor hit one this weekend, I was just like, yeah, you know, got his hands in, did the job. Um, I love Stephen Kwan as a player. Obviously ran into the wall on Saturday, and we'll talk about that. Miles Straw, I think, is a good player. Um, uh, the, this Guardians team, I think, for the first time ever in the history of a Yankees rivalry series, uh didn't punk the Yankees, given the opportunity to do so. First time in a long time, uh, and you want to talk about the, all the motivation in the world to crush him on Sunday, uh, showed out, you know, flat, as flat as ever. Straw was bad, 0 for 4, two strikeouts in that game. Um, it didn't take a genius to deconstruct, you know, to, to figure out that Sunday's game might look a little something like Straw on second, pounding his chest, you know, tie-breaking double, uh, screaming at the dugout, everybody fired yeah. up because – that's what seems to happen in this team in recent years. And not only did it not happen, but Sunday's game wasn't even close. And Garrett Cole was as good as he's been uh, since, you know, last July. 
we haven't really seen him be that effective since, you know, probably that Astros game. Uh, he was incredible. Uh, we'll talk about more about him in a little bit, but I'm very surprised that, that Cleveland was not able to come together and put on a more representative showing in that last game, especially because you had the Twitter account up until like 10 p.m. tweeting a picture of the Guardian standing in right field with the caption, family, as if like, yeah, man, this is not like the war of northern aggression versus the civil war, right? Like, th- there's not like it's not a battle of good and evil just because some fans from the bleachers started throwing stuff. Um, it, this is not the south versus the north. This is two baseball. Like Aaron Judge wasn't throwing rocks at people, right? It's it's extremely embarrassing to be like, here are the Warriors on the side of good against the evil Bronx Bombers. But of course, that's what we got because that's what we always get. So. Now let's talk about let's talk about it because you know we don't want to make people wait more than more than ten minutes to get into this. Um, every Yankee fan now has to answer for some morons in right field who threw garbage after a walk off win on Saturday afternoon. I will say this shouldn't even have to be said, but it will be. I've been to two hundred fifty games. I've been to twenty walk offs. You know, if not more games than that, that 250 might be a small sample size. I've watched thousands of games. This has never happened before in a game I've watched out of joy. We don't, Yankee fans don't show up to the stadium ready to throw trash in case they win a game. Every game at Yankee Stadium doesn't end with cans raining down onto the field. So Mm -hmm. it's extremely embarrassing that this happened. But everybody, Baseball Nation, rolling their eyes going, uh, here go those Yankee fans with their classic bottle throwing. This is not something that we do. This is not something that we do more than any other fan base. And this is not something that we did without impetus. The fans in right field did not wake up on Saturday and decide they were going to throw bottles at the end of a game, win or lose. The fans in right field did not show up prepared to do the Yankee fan tradition of bottle chucking. No, the fans in right field saw Cleveland outfielder Miles Straw climb into the stands and start yelling at people face-to-face, which was that done with good reason? Probably. Good I intention. Think a fan, was, I think yeah. in good intention, I think a fan in left field probably almost definitely crossed a line yes. and was saying something to Miles Straw that should not be said and it would not shock me if an extremely dumb man in the left field seat said something that just absolutely went beyond the pale about Stephen Kwan as he was on the ground. Miles Straw climbs into the stands to confront that fan face to face. But for those of us who are not in that one on one conversation, we see a player from the opposing team climb into the crowd out of nowhere. We have no idea what provoked him. It just has to be said that that isn't normal behavior. Fans in in right field have no idea why a Cleveland Guardian is climbing into the crowd a couple inches away from swinging his legs over that wall and walking into the stands and starting something much worse. So, uh, you know, when they won at bat later after the walk-off single, revolt by saying, get out of here, Cleveland. We're throwing our trash at you. We're like You started it. We're finishing it. They're not doing that just because of a victory. They're not doing that because Cleveland is some supreme enemy. They're doing that because they just watched a guardian, you know, climb up on the wall and scream at their own fans. Now the behavior was disgusting and none of those people, real Yankee fans. And there are 38,000 people in the stands who have 
nothing but hatred for the people who ruined it for the rest of us by throwing garbage from right field. But they don't do that without Miles Straw going one step too far to take the, you know, taking business that could have been handled from on the field into his own hands. I guarantee if he doesn't jump into the stands, nobody, you know, nobody's throwing things and Yankee fans do not have to answer for the behavior of 15 guys in right field like they did. And Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stan go out into right field and stop it immediately, by the way. It did stop within 15 to 20 seconds. Um, And so the players hated it. The fans in the stands hated it. The only people who liked the idea of throwing garbage were 15 people out in the right field bleachers. And and if other cities don't have to answer for that incident, as if it's some grand indictment on the fan base in general, Yankee fans are, you know, more likely than other fans to throw cans. No, they're not. Uh, Padres fan threw a beer can at Cody Bellinger on Friday. Uh, Every outfielder who's been to a Red Sox game in the last, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years uh, of a certain race says these fans have been racist to me. Um, You know, a a bottle or a can was thrown at Orioles outfitter Hyunsu Kim at at the Blue Jays Orioles wildcard game four years ago. Um, This is disgusting. This has escalated since the pandemic. I will also say that, um, you know, fans, NBA fans at all these games, throwing bottles at people as they walk through the tunnel, like, fans and and the same drunk morons who were already off the rails have further forgotten how to exist in society and are now just instead of yelling at Kyrie Irving or throwing bottles at Kyrie Irving uh, we see this all throughout the game of baseball all this to say the fans were wrong every fan who's done this whether it be post pandemic or in the five or ten years prior the social media era or in the 40 to 50 years prior in different cities all of these people need to get a grip all these people need to be controlled um, but in this particular instance, you know, I'm, I'm very sick of hearing this be treated as a singular Yankee fan issue, when in reality, we watch the natural next step of, of a Cleveland player, uh, you know, running into the stands. Uh, you know, I, I think fans would have reacted in a manner that would have been ill-befitting of a fan base, regardless of what the city was, if that had happened to them. Yeah, I think, um, look, they never never in my life would I condone doing, I don't care. Even if, a, even if Miles straw did go into the stands and do something, it's still unacceptable for players yeah. to throw anything. I would never anything. consider it. I would never yeah. even consider it. Exactly. I, and I'm a Yankee that. fan. Interesting. Yeah, it, Interesting. It doesn't even cross your mind. I was in the, I was in the left field seats uh, for Sunday night baseball against the Red Sox. And you should have heard the shit people were saying to Alex Verdugo. He was flipping his glove back at them, laughing, not making a thing of it. Um, I don't know what was said to Stephen Kwan, which is apparently what got Miles Straw worked up. Um, Yankee it, fans in general can be ruthless. I've been at various stadiums where there is a ton of shit talking from the fans to players, a ton of shit talking from fans to opposing fans. I mean, are we forgetting everything like the Yankees are the most rowdy and entitled fan base? OK, fine. If you want to think that, then where your blinders are on because we have Dodgers fans constantly hospitalizing opposing fans with fights in the parking lot. Fight broke out at Petco Park in the bleachers with six people throwing fists at each other with women involved with women nearby and, and, you know, catching um, some of the, some of the, the action because it was, it was that violent. We've seen fights in the Dodger stadium bleachers as recently as you know, last year when fans returned to the stands, um, it, it, to me, and I'm not saying that that behavior is okay or, Oh, like, look, Yankee fans are not as bad as these people. I'm not saying that at all. 
I'm saying that every fan base has a sect of people that are at these games or on social media that, that are toxic. And it's a problem. It's a problem with society. People are toxic in general. And some people are entitled. Some people are the worst fans ever. But this is you. we can't be boiling this down to just Yankees fans. I mean, look, we love to come on here. If Boston did something like that, we'd be ragging on it, making fun of them and having a good time. But never in my life would I pretend that Yankee fans don't do this. Yankee fans do do this. I go to the step. I'm at the stadium. There's there's shit talking in every corner. There's things that escalate to the point where you don't want them to ever escalate to because you just want to enjoy a baseball game. To me, it just comes down to who do people in the national spotlight or just like overall perspective of a certain sport don't like you. Most of you people fans don't like Kyrie Irving. So when he was being called various expletives by Celtics fans sitting, you know, sitting in the front row or on the floor and he gave the middle finger to them, that was, that was you. Oh, Kyrie Irving can't, can't handle the heat. Oh, he's too soft. He can't handle, he can't handle some trash talking from fans who spent their hard earned money to sit in the front row and say whatever they want. It, it, it is a matter you need to, and it's broken brain disease. And I've suffered from it before guys, you can recover from it too. It's yes. very easy. You just have to look within and understand that every situation is different and you have biases in, in certain situations. The bias here is that people hate the Yankees. Okay, fine. You're allowed to, you don't have to like the Yankees and it's understandable why you might not like them from an outside perspective. I get it. I'm not losing sleep over it, but to pretend that this, is a Yankees fan thing, or this is what Yankee fans do because, oh, they have all these championships. They think they're entitled to act this way. They think that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they can uh, elevate the experience in any manner that they want because they're spending a lot of money to go to the stadium and do whatever, whatever you think it is. It's simply because you don't like the Yankees. And that's what people need to admit because, yes, last year there were problems. They threw baseballs on the field. Alex Verdugo got hit in the back. Um, it, it was, it was not pretty, the, 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 uh, baseballs on the field during the Rays game as well, bad looks. And like we said, uh, also a symptom of just coming back into society, starting to act normal again under these circumstances, but it, it, it totally is the bias. And we do need to understand that every fan base does have these groups of people who ruin it for everybody else. Just like how any group of people in general have, a, are misrepresented because of a handful of poor incidents that happened um, involving people that aren't exactly decentralized figures. You know, if, if, you know, if, if people that were representative of the Yankees, you know, fandom for podcasts or general coverage was doing this stuff, that would be a different story, but that's not what's happening. These are people who are drunk sitting in the cheapest seats doing historically what kind of happens when you're sitting in the cheapest seats. Um, we pretend yeah, if, we, like, if we got if we got on the show today and we're like, "Good job, brothers and sisters." Yeah. This was only the first step of the battle. Like we are home against Baltimore on Tuesday. Bring your <laughs> cans. The nation is aware now. Everyone knows what they're reckoning with when they come into Yankee Stadium. Like you're not going <laughs> to hear that. And if you do hear that, like uh, people should be yanked off the airwaves. That's ridiculous. yeah. Um, and it, to me, it just comes down like. There is no other fan base that we have. We what did what did Chiefs fans do this year, guys? The Texans and Chiefs linked arms right before the game yeah. to show a solidarity for racial injustice and just just unity as a whole. Hey, 
These are these are my fellow brothers and sisters, and we want to show the United States and everybody watching that we're unified and we're on the same page and we love each other. They got booed because they thought that that was an act of, oh, you're disrespecting the national anthem. So don't pretend to me that there is one fan base who only does this. There, there is it's a fandom in general is problematic. Fandom, fandom as as uh, the whatever the social construct of fandom is nowadays is problematic because we have people thinking that they can any old person blurt out their opinions, criticize players, talk shit to players in plain view, say racist stuff to players in plain view. Are we forgetting about the ALCS between the Rangers and Blue Jays when the Blue Jays fans covered the field in trash and they had to stop the game because of the because of Jose Batista's home run? This is nothing new. So if you think that this is something new or this is just consistent with one fan base in your head, the Yankees, because you don't like the Yankees because they won too much when you were a kid and you're still butthurt about it, welcome to the last 15 years where they haven't really done much and it's kind of been torturous all around for people who actually watch them every day. Um, not defending the actions of these people, I was actually – I hate the Red Sox and I don't like Alex Verdugo. I wasn't entirely comfortable listening to that all game. It was every inning. It was every time he was out there on the field. Um, and yeah, that's problems that we have to address as a society with respect and handling yourself in public and understanding who is around you. There are kids around you. There are, there are younger people around you who that, that that's not the experience they want. Um, so all I'm saying is that acknowledge your biases and don't walk, don't walk into this conversation thinking that this is a Yankees fan problem. This is a worldwide fan problem. There's still racist stuff that goes on in the EPL in Syria, we uh, we don't need to go into the examples of any of that, which is a million times worse than whatever the Yankees did on uh, on uh, Yankees fans did on Saturday. But yes, I do agree, Miles Straw. I don't necessarily fault him for doing that because I know what the verbal abuse is. But if you do that, then you're escalating the situation, and we've seen what unruly people do just throughout history in general. Once somebody is egged on or pushed back further into a corner or feel like they're being threatened. The, the bad behavior comes out, you know, tenfold on the, on the next, uh, the next series of actions. Um, so nobody's it, it, it's, I'm not faulting anybody here. I don't think Miles straw did anything incendiary to do that. Um, the fans need to be more well-behaved in, in Yankee stadium specifically after what we've seen over the last two years. Um, and fans in general just need to keep it together because go to social media at any time and search whatever game is going on. You will see a fan fight. You will see a fan doing something incredibly inappropriate or uh, yelling at a player, whatever it is. Um, so we can't just boil this down to one single fan base. It's, it's a, it's, it's an issue across the board. Um, so that's where my problem with this comes in. If, if Yankee fan, if any Yankee fans support this log off now, we don't want to hear it. There's, there's no place in the game for this. There's not, there's not even an entertaining discussion. If you think responding to Miles Straw in that fashion was at all appropriate, you're absolutely wrong. If you wanted to talk trash to Miles Straw after the win, Great, that's probably fine, but this the manner in which it's escalated, it has no place for it in, in any sport. And the Yankees players going up to do that, to stop it, should be more representative of what the, the, the attitude here is and what they want in the ballpark. And various Yankee fans on social media coming out against that. Joe's McFly was at the game. He left the game frustrated, did a whole three-minute video on the way out talking about how this was despicable and how th- those fans should be banned, and this is not what the normal Yankee fans want as an experience. So. That's all I have to say about it. It's mostly bias, and that's creating you know more division amongst people, especially in the sports discussion, and it needs to stop. 
Yes. Uh, I don't think Miles Straw did anything wrong in responding to the fan. I just think the optics were straight. I think the only yes. mistake Miles Straw really made, though, not a mistake, though, intentional. And the one thing I would fault him for is making his first postgame commentary that Yankee fans are classless. These yeah. are the worst fans in, in professional sports. Um, because eventually he explained, you know, he had a further commentary that was talking about Stephen Kwan on the ground and it said some things that were said that crossed the line, et cetera. That's a reasonable commentary. And that will get, you know, uh, even Yankee fans will sympathize with that and say, now I know, now I know what was happening. You know, it did not make mm -hmm. any sense to me when I saw it. Now I understand what caused you to do what you did, even if I don't agree with what you did. But by initially refusing to comment and making your first comment, Yankee fans are classless and they're the worst fans on the planet. You knew that was going viral, right? Miles Straw Whoa. knew that was going to become graphics. That was going to be circulated on Twitter. He was going to have the entire rest of baseball at his back saying, yeah, Yankee fans are classless. They're the only people who do this. Yes, thank you, Miles Straw. And so then when he sort of quietly said the rest of his piece, he knew what he was doing in letting this be the viral trial balloon before clarifying anything that happened. Now, the best way for the Yankees to respond. What was the best way for the Yankees to respond? With pure class after the game, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa said, we don't win this way, we win with class. Aaron Judge and Darko Stan going out telling people to shut up. Across the board, the Yankees organization comes off well. And what's the best way for them to respond on Sunday? Winning. Winning cleanly. And they did it. They said, all right, you had your moment. Everybody took your victory lap. Everybody had 24 hours, you know, 12 hours saying Yankee fans are the most classless people on planet Earth. You could take your generalizations. You know, you could do whatever you want. Whatever you have to do to make you sleep at night. If you want to think Yankee fans are the only people on Earth who could possibly, you know, perform an act like this, then best of luck. Um, and, and the best defense against that is just not letting Miles Straw go three for four the next day. Not Garrett Cole not melting down in the first inning, winning the game on the field and getting the Guardians out of town. And that's exactly what the Yankees did. The organization and team handled it with their responses to the media and their performance. I, I saw the most insane mental gymnastics to try to come to grips with some of this. Cleveland Browns fans, by the way, famously oh, yeah. threw bottles at referees. It it's called Bottlegate. It, it ended a game early in forfeiture. They threw beer bottles at referees who incorrectly called the end of a, a Browns-Jaguars game in, I believe, 2002. It was a stain on Cleveland. It's a stain on that fan base to this day. It looks just as bad as anything Yankee fans did on, on Saturday. And I actually had to read on Twitter, well, that was football. Like, football's the <laughs> moron sport. Like, it's okay to throw bottles if it's at the end of a football game. But baseball, that's the smart guy sport. You can't be doing that. I also saw Cleveland fans being like, well, that's totally different. Like, that call was terrible. That decided a game. Like, all right, so if the refs really genuinely make a bad call, you could throw glass bottles at them. But the end of a baseball game that ended fair and square, that's an inappropriate time to throw glass bottles. I'm just trying to come, you know, to a conclusion yeah. here and figure out what everybody's saying. Everybody has their own rules for when you can and cannot panic and freak out as a fan. The only rule that matters is, hey, don't do it. You know, think twice before doing it. Um, I can understand why drunk losers reacted to Miles Straw the way that they did. Yeah, correct. That doesn't make it right. Uh, no. You can't be doing that. And again, wh what are you left to do after that? You know, 20 bad apples ruined uh, a, wee a great win for Yankee fans. What, what are you supposed to do in the wake of that? All you can do is say the right things if you're Isaiah Conner-Falefa. 
walk the walk if you're Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton instead of just talking the talk, and then go out there on Sunday and win the baseball game and get this team out of your city and get the fans on Twitter talking yeah. about something else and finding a new slant to complain about. And, and that's what they did. From the end of the game to the end of the series, Yankees players, fans did everything right. Of course, that moment does stay in the weekend in general. We now have to do 20 minutes explaining why, no, we don't, in fact, condone chucking <laughs> bottles and trash at people. Uh, the Barstool podcast guys tweeting like, this isn't who we are was really funny to me. It, it was like Liz Cheney on January 7th being like, you shouldn't have stormed the Capitol yesterday. It's like, hey, Barstool guys, you actually had a lot to do with the fact that people felt empowered to throw garbage. I think a lot of those people were probably your fans and listeners. Um, you know, <laughs> that, that being said, uh, it's a little too late to put that cork back in the bottle. Um, but yeah, no throwing trash. Please do not do that. Um, I, th- I do think there's probably like 1% of the fan base that fetishizes the way that the bleachers were in the 80s and 90s. Oh, and yeah. like, oh, don't don't get too comfortable coming in here. Like, yeah, you ask it. We got to ask ladies to take their tops off in the, in the stands or whatever. Like there's, there are probably a, an extremely small percentage of Yankee fans who actually were like, good, make it dangerous. Let's make it dangerous. Um, but like the other 99% of people, it, again, this should go without saying there's a way to create a home field advantage without throwing bottles at the opposing players and actually throwing bottles at the opposing players makes them want to beat you more. It's actually a a huge disadvantage. If a guy threw a bottle at my head, I would be like, now I would like to kick your ass. Like that's kind of a one-to-one conversion. It's like you throw a bottle at my head. I would like to destroy you. You have turned a regular season series in April into my world series. If miles straw had come back with a vengeance, I would completely have understood that again. Garrett Cole, Yankees, too good on Sunday. Didn't even let it enter the conversation. It's a good job by them. Uh, Don't throw stuff anymore. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play-calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Let's talk about the lineup instead. Why not? Because they finally busted out. Offense is down across the league. All stats look weird. The OPS pluses are so weird. Uh, Anthony Rizzo has an under 900 OPS on the season. He's playing well, uh, but he's got something like an 885 OPS or whatever. And he's 188 OPS plus. He's that far above league average that he's under 900. And he's basically doubling up the rest of baseball. Nobody's hitting this year at all really across the league all offensive stats are down uh but the yankees are certainly in the top um unluckiest teams they're hitting the ball harder than most teams in terms of the teams that are not hitting at all they're one of the ones that seems like they're poised for a breakout and sunday was perhaps the first laugher in a long time people are saying since 2019 it really does feel like that way sometimes you know honestly i'm not kidding i'm trying to do like the blowout win recaps mentally and I remember they destroyed the Blue Jays in one of those series at Yankee Stadium when Luke Voigt was at at his 2020 peak uh they had like a crazy series against the Jays I think they won some of those games like 17-5 and just stomped all over them but honestly other than that series I can't name a single blowout 
since 2019. And this 10-2 win, which was 10-0 with two outs in the ninth, was much needed and was keyed by DJ LeMahieu, who we can no longer hide in any sense. No. He, he can't be subbed out. It's over. It was a nice thought to rotate 10 starters for nine spots. You can still do it, but just take DJ LeMahieu out of the rotation. He's lifting the ball with authority. He is, if not a 350 hitter, he is a professional hitter who is going to have a great year, and he has to play, you know, he can get as much rest as any other superstar, but he can no longer be part of this infield rotation. Yeah, and I think, look, experimenting, I'm not, I wasn't against Aaron Boone experimenting in the first however many games it was to determine who might, who might be good at the leadoff spot. How can we further diversify the lineup early on and then kind of uh, deepen it as we go on? Um, I think the answer is right in front of you. DJ LeMahieu, leadoff hitter, 2019-2020, team MVP in both of those seasons. He returned to the leadoff spot for these three games in the series, Um, three for four in the finale with with uh, a run scored in three RBI one for four in that walk-off game. And then one for three with a run scored and a walk in, um, in Friday's win. Um, that is what sets the tone for this offense. That is what changes the complexion of this offense. And I think your one, two, three is just simply LeMahieu judge Anthony Rizzo, and then Stanton in the cleanup spot as you're rotating Stanton out. Cause we know he's going to get his days off or whatever the case is going to be there. Um, but no need to tinker. There's no need to tinker in the at that top of the lineup. You know what kind of works. Um, Anthony Rizzo was acquired at last year's trade deadline to create that um, early uh, lefty-righty balance that, that we, we had lacked for the first half of the season. So now you have your answer. You have a guy who, for his career in DJ LeMahieu, hits 300. That is, proto, that is prototypically a leadoff hitter. I know that's like the old man view of it now because we have to we, we look at so many other different stats that might suggest um, uh, other other uh, uh, players with different profiles can fit in that leadoff spot. But you have a guy who literally historically fits the mold of a leadoff hitter and is good and is not injured anymore. And his one season that was not good with the Yankees was because he was injured. He's your leadoff hitter. I, I, I think it's self-explanatory. He's also played very well at the at multiple defensive position so there is no need to put him on the bench unless he needs a day of rest there is no need to like you said cycle in 10 starters for nine spots the answer is right there and then look you move you move guys like Glaber Torres and Joey Gallo down toward the bottom of the lineup they don't need to hit in the top four or five spots they simply don't this is this is where you have the luxury of guys who can lengthen the lineup and provide the pop where you where most other teams don't have it. You could put Joey Gallo in the batting seventh and Glaber Torres batting seventh. It makes the lineup better. It takes pressure off of them. It helps them get potentially get back in a rhythm. They don't need to be emphasized. We have guys that should be emphasized. We have stars on this team and guys who make a lot of money who should be emphasized. We we need to put people in certain roles. As time goes on, I, I don't know if this is the number. This is the exact formula that gets it done, or in terms of if if the Yankees think that this is the exact formula that gets it done. But in my opinion, your top four, unless there's an injury or an issue, is DJ LeMahieu, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton, and then you have the luxury of guys like who are who are should be theoretically good hitters: Aaron Hicks, Joey Gallo, Glaber Torres, even Kiner Kiner Falefa is coming on, and you have Josh Donaldson where. 
if you do run into a situation where someone gets COVID and has to miss 10 days or someone goes on an IL stint and has to, you know, be out for three weeks. It will happen. Yeah, which will happen. Then you can start messing around with the lineup. Then you can put Donaldson in the leadoff spot. Then you can hit Joey Gallo fifth. Then you could put Glaber Torres third if you want. I don't know what you want to do, but the luxury, when when, when everybody's healthy, the clear luxury is putting your best guys up top and then putting your other very productive players in roles to succeed. And that's what we saw in this series, I think. And it, it worked out for everybody. Yeah, it's funny. Aaron Hicks leadoff man should also work, but it just doesn't. Like they don't no. win games when they yeah. do that. It's it's a small-ish sample size. I'm not just talking about 2022. It, yeah. It's just bizarre. Like he's got the perfect skill set for a leadoff hitter. And even this year, he's performed well in games where he's been asked to lead off, but they don't win the game. So at no. that juncture, like, keep LeMayhew there. And there was an interesting article in The Athletic today um, detailing how, you know, obviously when the Yankees lineup is working, it looks great. When it doesn't, everybody suddenly starts to question why there are too yeah. many hitters with the same ethos all lined up one after another. And that's always going to be the case. And the Yankees offense will slump and dip. What we needed to see after the way they started the season was evidence that it could also rise. Like we we had a lot of evidence and we started the year with a dip. So everybody's looking at it going, is this team terrible offensively? Is the league terrible offensively? If, you know, as long as they have the potential to boom, that makes this lineup better than most lineups in baseball because there's just not a lot of offense in the game right now. So if this team has the potential to explode, that already levels them up from the teams that they're relative to right now two weeks in, um, in a league where nobody's hitting, in a league where the ball is clearly different. And they introduce humidors in every stadium to keep home runs down but also change the ball, and everybody knows it. This is no secret. So <clears throat> the, the article also detailed – by the way, that the league's other elite teams like the Dodgers and Giants and all the prototypical sabermetric darlings alternate their lineup constantly. They're always rotating people in and out. They're always messing with things. The, the, the Dodgers and Giants used like 148 distinct lineups, 162 games last year. It's not some grand, you know, the Yankees are not innovating here. It's frustrating when they're in a slump to see things constantly shaken up um, and, and for them to not know, you know, or go with what works. But I do think, to a certain extent, you need to continue to mess with everything, even success. There, you know, there's no harm in in messing with the bottom of the lineup a little bit. But you're right, DJ at the top, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton. As long as everybody is healthy, should be ironclad. Then you mess around. Then you use Gallo in the eight spot. And, and if he gets hot and carries the team for a week and a half, then you bump him up to the five spot. Yeah. If Josh Donaldson is hot, he bats fifth. Hicks can break up some batters with this, you know, switch hitting prowess. Isaiah Connor Falefa, who's doing more than just heating up. Like, I, I think we need to give him more credit. Uh, he's he hitting like four, 440 over the last like week or so. Uh, Batting 298 the, or 300. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up over 300. One of the most productive shortstops in baseball. You just needed to give him time to settle in. It is funny that everybody's saying be patient with Joey Gallo, but Isaiah Connor Falefa just sucks. <laughs> and then, of course, Isaiah Connor Falefa is the one who needed patience. He's, you know, it's his first week in a new city and everybody's just automatically like, yeah, we knew it. Guy sucked. Um, With Joey Gallo, it's like three full months. Please continue. He needs more patience. He needs more patience. Like maybe he's just an unlucky guy who destroys baseballs, but also strikes out a lot. Maybe Isaiah Counter-Falefa actually needed patience. All that being said, Gallo was also good over the weekend. Really encouraging. Uh, Had a good game on Saturday. Uh, Had a good game on Sunday. Roped an RBI double in the right field corner. Took a tough walk on Saturday. And lined a single, uh, a smoke show to left. Uh, so, you know, keep Joey Gallo in your thoughts. We, we need to see good stuff from Joey Gallo. 
whether he gets traded or not. Um, but again, the bottom of the lineup is the part that you can mess around with. Um, I believe, I think. Now, you know, if you want to start messing with success at the top of the lineup, I would say probably don't do that. Bottom line, DJ LeMahieu is the one who has to be available. Sunday was the first time this year we have really seen an explosion. It's not the first time we've seen good at-bats. We've seen those plenty. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they were doing a good job of dictating the strike zone in the first series against the Red Sox. They took two out of three. They almost swept. They were doing a decent job against the Blue Jays after that. Then they go on the road to Baltimore, have a terrible series, and everybody throws everything out the window and say this team can't hit. Same old Yankees, 2021 Yankees all over again. Um, it, we are also leaving out of the equation that the Orioles pitching might be good. Like the Could Orioles be. pitching might just be good. Like that's the only series this year so far where the Yankees just had complete disaster. They've narrowly avoided a sweep. They almost got swept by the O's in Baltimore, but then the O's went on the road to LA and played the Angels and the pitching held up and the offense mashed. Like they took two I, I, I'm obviously way. digging. Yeah, I'm digging my own grave here. Um, like there's, there's no way I'm not digging my own grave here. I'm sure the Orioles are going to get bludgeoned. Uh, there, there's by the way. Three. Yeah, th- no, but there's like a 10 game stretch in, uh, the middle of, I think it's the end of May or early June where the Red Sox have, uh, it's like a baked in 10 game winning streak on their schedule. You can count on it. It's like the Orioles for four, the A's for three and somebody else terrible for the last three. Like, and I'm sure I'm going to have to eat crow when the Red Sox make the Orioles look like babies during that series. But as of now, the Orioles pitching is top tier in the league. The Orioles bullpen is holding up. Jorge Lopez is a good reliever. Um, it turns out that when we all clowned on them for getting rid of Cole Solcer and Tanner Scott on the verge of opening day, that maybe that didn't matter at all. And they actually knew what they were doing and they're like building a bullpen the right way. So as of now, the Orioles look like a team that like is taking advantage of league wide offensive struggles and is performing uh, above expectations on the mound so maybe the Yankees aren't so broken after all and maybe the solution was DJ LeMay he was injured last year wasn't himself is himself now and needs to lead off every day because this weekend against Cleveland we finally saw the team we'd been hoping for all year but we kind of also saw it against the Red Sox and we kind of also saw it against Toronto they weren't dreadful um they were really bad on the road in Baltimore and they got shut out in a horrible game in Detroit but won the first two in that series so yeah all in all, the Yankees are ten and six. Nobody likes them, and they're ten and six, and are are gaining momentum as the season goes on. So perhaps we stick with what worked over the weekend, and perhaps we acknowledge that the things weren't so bad prior to the weekend either. Yeah, Orioles uh, twenty seven earned run, or twenty seven runs allowed over the last eight games. That's pretty good. Yankees, pretty uh, good. Athletics, and Angels. Like I know the A's tore things down, but they still have some players. I, I, that's that's. The A's are still better than the Orioles, I, I think. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's a solid pitching. You're giving up, what, three and a half? You're averaging three and a half per game over that stretch. Um, and if you date back a little further, it, it, it it's actually – it's just as good because they shut out the Yankees or they, they allowed uh, – they only allowed six runs against the Yankees in that entire series. Um, so, who knows? I don't know. Um, speaking don't of know. not giving up – speaking of not giving up runs, we need Garrett Cole to do that – a lot more often. Um, and like we said, he came through on Sunday, six and two thirds, four hits, one walk, nine strikeouts, 92 pitches, ERA down to four, baby. We're almost there. We're almost at number three starter status uh, for Garrett Cole. Um, just kidding, guys. Uh, Garrett Cole's a good pitcher. Um, is he a $36 million ace? I Probably not, but like nobody, who is? nobody is. Yeah, nobody who is. is Clayton Kershaw, maybe Clayton Kershaw, who should be the highest paid pitcher like every year and isn't. Um, 
very few people dominate on that level. Um, and yeah, the Yankees had to pay Garrett Cole guys. It was kind of just what needed to happen. They didn't have, um, that starter to lead the top of the rotation. They threw a lot of money at him, not your money though. So at the end of the day, shouldn't be a concern, but allowed to get frustrated if the Yankees use as an excuse for not, uh, spending in the future, different conversation for another time. Anyway, Cole back on track. We think, um, maybe it only took, maybe the short and spring training affected him. And the first few starts were just. He was trying to figure it out, um, which is still puzzling to me because I think professional baseball players should probably be ready for opening day, regardless if there's a lockout or not. You're still working out. You're still throwing bullpens. You're still training in every capacity to be a better pitcher and improve your arm strength and improve your overall health. Um, So I don't know why that was the deal. Um, But here we are. He's back, apparently wiping his butt with sicky stuff and and using that as a uh, another thing. Another thing that we can go back and talk about the fans. Perfect example. You hate the Yankees, right? You guys, a lot of you guys out there hate the Yankees. So Mm -hmm. when MLB implicates 500 people in a sticky stuff crackdown and Garrett Cole is one of the names, who's the poster boy for sticky stuff? It's Garrett Cole because you don't like the Yankees. And now... When Garrett Cole pitches badly, like you said eloquently today um, in the article that actually just went up, he's he's a, he can't pitch without the sticky stuff when he's pitching shitty. And then when he's pitching well, he must be using the sticky stuff. How can we figure this out? Um, so the proof is in the RPMs, guys. There's numbers out there um, that show that. Um, that video was funny of him having something. I don't know what was on his backside. It was like black. Um I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. I don't he clearly he they get he gets checked every inning. So if the umps thought that there was something there, they would have checked it. Um, but yeah, Garrett Cole can pitch without the sticky stuff, guys. There was just an adjustment period that needed to be had because this was commonplace in MLB forever. There was always substances used on baseballs until last June. Um, so it's understandable that there was going to be people were going to struggle or figure out a way to find their footing in a different manner when MLB just pulled the rug out and said, this is not allowed anymore starting today. So figure it out when there was no warning of that. Um, but Garrett Cole's pretty good. Um, is he as good as we want him to be at all times? No, but a few more of these, we normalize the sample size. He can deliver in a couple more big games. Narrative is going to change. Um, but I don't think this tells us anything more than we need to know outside of, Hey, he might finally have his arm built up. He might be feeling good. Let's see what happens next game. Yeah, this is what Yankee fans have to deal with, though. And we get it. We yeah. know what we got into. Uh, again, all we're asking for is for the Yankees to come out on top at the end of one year. So we all just get a half-year break from having to care about whatever <laughs> anybody else has to say. Unfortunately, right now, we're all very sensitive. So when you're like, Aaron Judge strikes out too much, and he woke the Red Sox up in 2018 by playing a boombox. We have to be like, uh, yeah, you're right. We're like the kid <laughs> with the vein meme or whatever. Or when you're like, John Carlos Stanton strikes out too much, they can never win a World Series with him. We have to be like, um, but they totally can, even though like they haven't, right? So we're on the wrong side of history. And we're like trying in vain to cope with whatever's going on. But it's true. Like, you know, objectively, could the Yankees win a World Series with, with John Carlos Stanton leading the way? Sure, probably. He was clutch all September against the Red Sox last year. Have they? No, they haven't done it. So Garrett Cole, um, you know, last year, obviously they take the sticky stuff in the way in the middle of the year. He's immediately worse. This is true. And all Yankee fans go, God, can we just have one thing? Can we just, we had to sign an ace. 
we did. We did the thing. We did the thing that we had to do. And then immediately it's like, ah, but there's a really big flaw. There's a fatal flaw. And it's like, what if there wasn't a fatal flaw? Well, unfortunately, there is. He pitched better when he had a foreign substance that most pitchers in baseball were using at the time. But it very obviously helped him pitch better. So we're just sitting here going, I, I don't want to I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be the one to say that he's obviously been good since the 60s stuff ban ended. He has been. By and large, he's managed to get himself back up to maybe not the level he was when we signed him away from the Astros, but in that single start in Houston last year where he whipped Jordan Alvarez without the sticky stuff, he certainly was better. Um, and But nowadays, when he is you know reaching that level, this is just what we have to deal with. When he's approaching that level of greatness again, people are going to start looking for patches of brown dirt. People are going to say, why is Garrett Cole rubbing his leg? Why is Garrett Cole rubbing his kneecap? In the dugout, why is Garrett Cole touching his hat? He's cheating. And then every time someone says he's cheating, you're going to get thousands of retweets. And we're going to have to talk about it again. But again, until the Yankees win the World Series or until Garrett Cole finishes the year as a Cy Young candidate and until you know we have a, a something to stand on, bragging rights that are indisputable, we are going to be the kid with the vein popping out of his head going, uh, stop, please stop. <laughs> stop tweeting about it. Stop looking for dirt patches. And, and we are in the wrong. Like I, you, you guys and all you fools on the other side of history should take advantage of this for as long as you can. You should constantly be looking for black patches on Garrett Cole's pants. You should be zooming in on him, rubbing himself. This is what you have. And, and right now we can't really counteract it because all we can say, you know, you know, we're the ones without the title. We're the ones without the ring. We're the ones who haven't finished the job. So this is just what we're going to have to contend with until the end of, uh, you know, end all be all. But bottom line, Garrett Cole was not cheating yesterday. The vein is is in a normal place in my head right now. You can see it. I, I It's not popping out. It's just right under the surface of the skin um, it, with a straight face. I'm not sweating or crying. Garrett Cole was not cheating yesterday. Garrett Cole was great yesterday. And as someone who went after Garrett Cole pretty hard for his excuse-filled first three starts and, and called his press conference after the Tigers game straight up sad, because it wasn't full of excuses. It was just sad. He was lost. He found himself at home in a huge game. And again, one the Yankees needed to win to get bragging rights in a series for the first time in a long time. It wouldn't have been a disaster if they lost that game. We would have gone on the air and said the same thing about pretty good series, Watch the offense do a lot of good things. Maybe Glaber Torres gets back on track after that walk-off, but we would have had to caveat everything by saying, but they lost the game after the fan incident and everything backslid a little bit. Now, we don't have to say that. All you have to say is Garrett Cole was great. First time, long time, first time this season, and maybe it was just the shortened spring training after all, and it certainly was not uh, brown butt goo. No. But of course, that was an Astros fan who found that video and said, quote, is MLB going to take a look at this? There's no coincidence that Garrett Cole pitched well yesterday. Mm. No coincidence. He hasn't thrown a quality start ever. So he hasn't thrown a quality start since Sticky sticky Stuff uh, was banned. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about other toxic fan bases, go on social media, search some Astros stuff. You'll find a lot of good a lot of good content there. Um, And then you'll realize that, hey, everyone kind of sucks. Everyone kind of isn't great in 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 larger discussions about certain players uh certain teams um this is just the way life is um and the incident that happened at the game too like one thing i forgot to add about that is like i think a lot of people have forgotten what it's like to go to a game or just don't go to games because like if you're at a a game it's usually 
there's usually like it's it's not hostile, but yeah, people are there to cheer on their team and they're and drunk people are there. And I'm sure there's a few folks on drugs getting a little, you know, rowdy. But like, do you forget that there is there is the the in-person element of that that makes it a little bit uncomfortable that people do say things that aren't exactly nice and you're forgetting about how things can escalate. You're forgetting about just human interaction and behavior in general. Um, but yeah, anyway, of course, this guy was an Astros fan. Um, they'll be looking for anything and everything until this letter is unsealed um, to continue doing this. Um, whatever, man. I, I just, I can't believe that I have to tell people that this is just how life is sometimes and that there's not, there's, there's not great people doing things that aren't really appropriate, but that, that, that also is not representative of the entire group of people. Um, but yeah, now we have to do it in a sports context. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, everybody. Um, that is it. For this beautiful edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast on an incredible Monday, I hope some of you opposing fans listened up and got educated. Um, I hope some of you Yankee fans are are bringing your bottles to the next game. Uh, make sure to you know put them sort of put them in a big trench coat, like you know, like you're strapping watches in there. I'm sure security will just let that slide. Or down 52 beers in the outfield. Bud Light seltzers are readily available. I saw the hard cola this weekend. Those cans are big. So give the Yankee stadium credit for one thing. They sell some large cans. Um, Please don't clip that and make a drop out of it. Um, No, no more fighting. No more bottle throwing. Don't do any of that garbage. Just go win baseball games. Win goddamn baseball games. That's it. Guess what the Yankees did over the weekend? They won three goddamn baseball games off Monday on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday against Baltimore Orioles at home. Hey, you know, it'd be pretty fun. Show the Baltimore Orioles what you're made of. They took two out of three from you. You know, go take two out of three or three out of three from them. You yeah. showed you could do a blowout win. You did the blowout win thing on Sunday. You want to do that a couple more times? You want to get Baltimore to stop? You want to get the fans of, you know, you want to get Blue Jays and Red Sox fans to stop talking about how the Yankees can't beat Baltimore? Go beat Baltimore. It's that simple. And if you don't beat Baltimore once, regroup and beat them the next day. So far, you've actually shown me that you do have gumption and the ability to handle these things and handle your business. Sunday was a huge step forward in doing that. Do it a couple more times. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, join us live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern time, and live on Twitter Mondays and Thursdays, and more if there's a walk-off, if there's something to celebrate. Um, If perhaps, I don't know, the fans decide to throw garbage at players again, maybe we'll be back on the air. You never know. Uh, We're always on high alert. Just somebody press the bat signal. We'll say, oh, more garbage throwing happened? Great. And then we'll sign on and we'll talk about it. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner, the handle right below you. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us at yanksoyard.com. Content aplenty there for you. Also, we're on the official Yanksoyard Twitter account at FS. Keep the conversation going. Come on. What time do we have to waste here? Also, Miles Straw in 11 career games at Yankee Stadium, hitting 147 with a robust 393 OPS. Um, I guess that's why he thinks the Yankees are class. The Yankees fans are the most classless in the sport. Um, but I'll leave you with that. And then next time we'll be talking to you on Thursday. Um, hopefully we got two wins under our belt over the Orioles at that time. But until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Read some Yankees content. We got it all for you. Take care, everyone. We will be writing more content, and we will see you on Thursday. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. 
And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.